Welcome to the Choose You Now podcast. I'm your host, Juliana Hever. I'm so excited for you to listen to the podcast today. Brenda Davis is a registered dietitian who is a leader in her field and an internationally acclaimed speaker. She has authored slash co-authored 12 books with nearly a million copies in print in 15 languages. Her most recent books include Nourish, Kick Diabetes Essentials, and Becoming Vegan. I call Brenda my soul mama, and I think by the end of this interview, you'll see why. Thank you so much, Brenda Davis. It's so hard for me to call you that. I always want to just call you soul mom, but thank you so much, Brenda, for being here today. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure and privilege. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. So, Brenda, you and I go around the world trying to, you know, talk about nutrition and teaching and all of that. And of course, you're my mentor and you always have been. But today I wanted to do something different. You know, you're used to answering all these questions about nutrition and all that. I wanted to kind of talk more about the Brenda behind the scenes, like your story and a little bit more about your where this all started for you, because you've had such a beautiful path and you've helped so many people and done so many extraordinary things. And I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about your journey to choosing yourself, even when it started with just your career. Yeah, well, um, you know, it's so interesting how things happen in life. Uh, But You know, when I was, and I think for so many of us, this is true. When I was a small child, I had a very strong sensibility where animals uh, were concerned. I, I, you know, I can remember when my turtle died when I was three years old. I, we had to have a full blown funeral for him (laughs) with the casket and everything. Um, I can remember when I was at the same age, three years old, and my parents uh, took us to a bullfight in Spain. And I'll, I'll never forget, you know, the, the horror of, of, of the moment of realizing what was happening. And I, um, uh, you know, I, I, I can remember jumping up and, and just cheering for the bull as loudly as I could. And, and the looks we got from the other people who were there. Uh, the 10,000 people in that stadium. And, uh, you know, it's interesting how we become uh, desensitized uh, to to all things uh, uh, concerning animals as we grow up. And, and um, for me, I, you know, at one point uh, uh, was challenged by a hunter, actually. <laughs> Uh, to re-examine my choices, and and um, it was it was a it was one of those interactions um, that uh, was very unexpected. Uh, you know, this was a very close friend, and he he stopped by my house for coffee before going deer hunting, and I, I'll never forget trying to figure out how to stop him from killing another deer. What could I say that would stop him from pulling that trigger yet again? And I, I, I said, I, I, you know, I just don't understand why you do this. It just, you know, why would you want to go in, into the bush and, and kill a perfectly innocent being who just wants to live? Uh, and, you know, it was really what he said back to me that changed the course of my life. And I, 
And here I was, you know, a, a registered dietitian teaching Canada's food guide and the four food groups and, you know, half of which, of course, were, were animal products, half of the food groups. And, um, and, and, you know, this deer hunter uh, uh, challenged me when I challenged him. He said, uh, he said, you know, just because you don't have the guts to pull the trigger doesn't mean you're not responsible for the trigger being pulled every, buy, uh, every time you buy your piece of meat camouflaged in cellophane in the grocery store. He said, at least the animals I eat have had a life. I doubt very much you can say the same for the ones that are sitting on your plate. And I was absolutely silenced. And, and I, I can remember thinking to myself um, that I need to take responsibility for the food that I purchase. And I vowed uh, from that moment on that I would do my best to do that. And, and I just started to research. You know, my mom um, grew up on a farm where they had names for all the animals. And it was kind of like that the image of old McDonald's farm that we all have in our minds from the children's storybooks. And, and uh, I just, I decided to start to <clears throat> learn more about animal agriculture. And it was probably about a week or two later that I decided that I, I just, I just couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't participate in a, a system of animal agriculture that uh, was so cruel. And, um, and that was it. That was, sort of the beginning of my journey. Uh, and that was about, oh, now probably 34 years ago, 35 years ago. It's really interesting because it's kind of the opposite experience for me because I had that same experience when I read Diet for a New America. We just spoke to um, John Robbins recently. And, um, that, and I had that awareness at a young age, but I didn't have any of the information, nutritionally speaking, and because I was a teenager. And so I didn't know what to do. And so that's why it took me so many years to figure that all out. But you're coming at it from you've already got the nutritional background. You're an expert in the field. So now you have this new framework. So what was it like for you to translate it from a dietitian's perspective? Oh, Juliana, it was just so scary. Um, I had never, I mean, uh, I had never met a vegetarian or a vegan dietitian. I had never even, I didn't even know if there was a vegetarian or dietitian on the, you know, dietitian on the planet. I, I mean, and I, I, I met one vegetarian in my whole life. It was my grade eight science teacher. But, <laughs> you know, my dad taught in a class opposite to that grade eight science teacher. And I'll never forget one night we were talking about this person's vegetarianism and, and, and he had children. And my, I can remember my dad saying, I, you know, it's one thing to do something like that to yourself, but to do that to your children, it's child abuse. You know, it's just child abuse. And, uh, and so that was, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and when, and when, you know, I had that interaction with the hunter, well, my children were four and one at the time. Oh. Um, and, you know, and, and, you know, I think more than, I think more than just about anything else uh, in life, the thing that is most important to us is to belong, is to feel like we really belong within our tribe. 
And, and part of that sort of belonging is, is what we share as a, a family, uh, with our friends, with our colleagues. And in, you know, with, with most societies, a big part of that revolves around the food we eat. And so when I made that decision to become, a, you know, pretty much vegan, um, my husband was, was um, happy to do that. He, you know, he was um, very concerned about um, the environment and thought that would be a wonderful way to leave a softer footprint. But I can tell you, our parents on both sides um, did not throw any sort of uh, parties for us when we announced this newfound vegetarianism. Uh, they were horrified. They were frightened for our children. They were absolutely mortified. And I love my family. I, I loved the men. I love them now. I can remember my relatives freaking out, the aunts, the uncles, the cousins, everybody was freaking out because our family was so food focused and, and everything we shared was over big barbecues. And it was a, you know, very much French Canadian traditions of, you know, the meat pies and just all of those, those foods and the filet mignon and lobster and the, you know, just on and on. And, uh, and, and it was, it was like I was um, throwing some horrible wedge between uh, myself and my family, and I, I didn't want to do that. I, I desperately didn't want to do that. I, I wanted to retain my, you know, my place in the family and my, the respect that I had and the love that I had uh, from all of the people that I, I cared about most in the world. And I knew, I, I knew by making this choice, I was making that much more difficult. And that was really hard for me. But, you know, I, I, this podcast is about choosing yes, you. <laughs> I was just going to say, that's exactly right. That's the essence of what we're here for. It's like those moments where you're at a fork in the road and you have to decide because you know it's going to be whatever. Like in this case, it could be strife. It could be just a wedge. But it's who you are and it's your authentic truth. And you, you know, you have to face that. And do you stay authentic to yourself or do you try to please everyone around you? So how did you how did you handle it, Brenda? Well, I navigated it very carefully. Um, and you know, I have a lot of friends who just separated themselves from th their families, uh, who decided that, well, if you're not vegan uh, or vegetarian, or at least, you know, moving in that direction, then, you know, I can't, I can't, you can't be part of my life. My, I just, you're an unethical human being and I can't have you part of my life. And, and there is no way, no how that I was willing to do that. I, I, um, I really strongly believe that, I, you know, you don't, weigh and measure the ethical sort of correctness of a human being based on uh, one ethical, you know, uh, choice. Um, you know, I know that that some of my relatives were, had big roles in, in all sorts of uh, wonderful ventures, whether it was in helping, you know, um, children who were, you know, um, disenfranchised or whatever it was that that were doing things in the world that made a difference and were really wonderful. Um, and and so 
I, you know, what I wanted to do was to really respectfully and kindly um, uh, make different dietary and lifestyle choices. And, uh, and so the way that I sort of managed that was um, making sure that people didn't feel like they had to go out of the way for me or that I would feel somehow left out if the food wasn't vegan. I would just make sure I always brought something and, and, and that I, I brought enough food to share with everyone and, and food that was really delicious. Uh, and, uh, and I, and I talked to them about it. I, I, I remember for my father, it was really hard. Um, because the way that he showed love was through food <laughs> and he would buy me all my favorite foods and he would prepare some of my, I mean, my favorite meal as a kid was Wiener schnitzel. <laughs> it's like breaded, it's, it's, it's breaded veal cutlets that are fried in butter um, and then smothered in a mushroom gravy. And, you know, that was my favorite thing. <laughs> world and I grew up in Germany when I was really young my dad was in the Air Force and we were on a Canadian Air Force base there and and uh, and so for, for for my dad he would make me that every 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 time it was you know every birthday or special event or and so this this was really really hard and and so I had to talk to my dad about um how much I appreciated the wonderful food he made me and and how much I treasured all the places he brought me and, and how much I enjoy being around a table with him and, and that there were so many things we could still share. And I could, I could try to make some sort of vegetarian or vegan versions of these, you know, favorite things and, and that we could always, always eat together, um, no matter what. And so I, I just really tried um, my best to to be kind uh, and because you know one of the things that I think about uh, uh, when it comes to you know being vegan is that is that so often we we too often we make it about personal purity and uh, and and I I think that's not what it's about uh, I think what it's really about is compassion and and we need to remember that i think it's really important um to remember it's it's about you know it's it, it's about changing the world to be a kinder more compassionate place it's not about who's the most vegan of us all oh, i love, love that you're cares. saying that uh, yeah who cares you know? i love that you're saying that i think it's so important that it's not i love what you said about it not judging someone's um, ethics based on one decision that they make and, and compassion is about accepting people for their decisions as well. Exactly. So, yeah. okay. From a, a different perspective, that's the perspective of, as a professional, as a dietitian, you also were choosing this against all the odds. Like, every, you know, we are taught that you need three servings of dairy a day. We are taught, we're taught to teach that. So at this point, when you're changing over, I love how you talk about your journey with, you know, wanting to, well, I'll let you say it, how, how you handled it professionally. Yeah. So, so for me, that was probably almost as scary as the, the, all of the family dynamics. So 
I was, I just couldn't imagine how I could continue to be a dietitian and be vegan. Uh, it was, um, it just unheard of uh, to me. I, I can remember being in university and learning that vegetarian diets were really risky and should never be used for children or pregnant women, and that vegan diets were just downright dangerous for everyone. Mm-hmm. And and th- that was what was in my textbooks. It's it's you know it's it it was sort of the accepted uh, logic in those days. And and I can remember thinking that I, I liked being respected by my peers. I, 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 um, I didn't want to be one of those fringy people who was saying sort of outrageous things. Um, I never wanted that. I, I, um, I wanted to be very evidence-based. And so I can remember thinking to myself, can I stay? Um, can I be a dietitian and a vegan? Is that even possible? I thought I would probably just be ousted from the profession within weeks, you know, um, that they would say you're canceled um, yeah, that I had breached, um, you know, ethical codes and that I'm losing my license. Um, but I remember um, thinking to myself that if I leave and if everybody who begins to see this bigger picture um for the environment, for the animals, uh, for human health. Uh, if everybody just just leaves, what will ever change? <laughs> and and so I I, I remember uh, thinking that I have to have the courage to 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 stay and to to try to um, affect change from within. And it was scary. Um, but I also remember saying to myself, if I'm going to do this, I need to be very sure that I can debate just about anyone, that I know the literature and that I can, um, you know, that my eyes are dotted, my T's are crossed and I know my stuff. And, uh, and so that's what I, um, you know, I just, uh, my spare time was spent uh, reading, uh, you know, World Health Organization uh, nutrition uh, documents and, and research articles and all of these things way back when. So, and, and coincidentally in 1990, which was just a year or two after I, I made this transition, the World Health Organization uh, released their first diet, nutrition, and prevention of chronic disease uh, document, and it was just earth-shattering to me. It was so powerful. Uh, it was in that document that they very clearly stated uh, that uh, governments needed to make nutrition a national priority. This document was basically the document that established the strength of the link between diet and disease, and they said that the, the the link is so strong, it's overwhelming, and it's time that national governments everywhere made nutrition a national priority, and that one of the things they cautioned national governments about uh, was this, uh, uh, this um, very strong allegiance with uh, the industries uh, that were, you know, animal agriculture industries and so forth, and that... Uh, that uh, we needed to be very uh, conscious of that when we created nutrition policy. 
and um, and they they even stated clearly that um, you know that that uh, by having these alliances uh, we are undermining uh, what we need to be doing as nations to establish appropriate nutrition you know national nutrition policies. Uh, so I, you know, there were just some really interesting um, uh, documents coming out that that were very, very helpful uh, to me. I I must have read that document twenty times. <laughs> well, and not only did you start aggregating all of this information and knowledge and understanding from your perspective, but what's really beautiful is that you have now shared that and consolidated that and elaborated on all of that and created so many extraordinary resources that for people out there, for the, for the healthcare professional, for the layperson, and you are a, an encyclopedia of information. And that is why I call you my soul mom, because you have Aww. said this, I, you know, because, well, because I love you more than anything, but also because, um, you're my mentor because of how you approached all of this and and how you've expanded this to the world in such a way that now it is not scary and it is not um, something that anyone would feel it's dangerous to do. Like now there's so much information thanks to you. You've done so much amazing work and I am so forever grateful for you and all of your work. But um, what would you oh, say? Well, I just want to say um, that that's such an honor. Um, I, I just uh, feel very, very privileged to have you say that. And I, I, um, I know that uh, you are doing uh, similarly extraordinary things and have created so many resources and you have so many skills that I wish I had. <laughs> we're, we're all doing in our little way what we can do. And I, and I feel very fortunate to have had the opportunity to do pioneering work in this regard and, and uh, to see, in all honesty, I where we are right now, I could have never imagined being 30 some odd years ago. Uh, it's it's really uh, extraordinary, and and I think that we are, you know, nearing that tipping point of of uh, really being mainstreamed and being accepted among our peers. And and you know the reason that I think people um, continue uh, to eat meat is because that's just normal in our society. And, um, and, and so as we make being vegan or, or plant-based normal, <laughs> it's just going to get so much easier for people to make this transition. We all just want to belong. And, uh, and that's really what it's all about. Yes. Well, thank you for everything. And as we always say, we could talk forever, but um, we <laughs> We'll have to come back and do this again. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your inspiration, Brenda. Thank you for well, everything. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for doing this amazing podcast. And I just have to say in conclusion, you know, John Robbins, um, I, I know he had such an impact on your life. He had a similar impact on mine because when I st first started transitioning, uh, he, his book was one of the first that I that I came across as something that I could 
look at and and uh, i i have just uh, valued his um his contributions for so many years as well so you're you're interviewing some amazing pioneers and i'm i'm just so grateful for what you're doing ah thank you thank you so much soul mom keep up your beautiful work and i'm sure i'll talk to you soon you bet thank you bye jules Brenda Davis, I love her so much. This woman gets standing ovations in audiences of thousands around the world. And you can't see me right now, but I'm giving her one right now too. If you are inspired and enjoy the Choose You Now podcast, please subscribe to the show, rate and review us on iTunes, and send us an email with questions and comments at chooseyounowpodcast at gmail.com. For nutrition services and more information, visit me at plantbaseddietitian.com. I invite you to choose yourself now, and I'm signing off with lots of leafy green love.